Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of My Cancer Story Podcast. I'm Jess Nelson, and I am your host. Have you ever met somebody for the first time and just had this instant connection with them, like you've known them for years, your entire life? You just It's that instant spark, you know, like it's just like you could talk to them forever. Uh, that's how I feel about today's guest. Today, you're going to meet Tess Devez. She is a sexuality and cancer specialist working in Melbourne, Australia, and she helps people manage sexual side effects during and after their cancer treatment. Um, she is a sexuality occupational therapist and a sexologist who also is a cancer survivor, stage three breast cancer. Uh, having to be her own sexuality therapist during her treatments was really difficult, and it really allowed her to notice how rare this particular topic is and was addressed in a clinical setting. Due to this, uh, she now supports thousands of people online. She sees clients globally for consultations to offer intimate support. Uh, she recently released a book called A Better Normal, Your Guide to Rediscovery Intimacy intimacy after cancer. Uh, she is just a wealth of knowledge and it was just so wonderful to be able to speak with her. Um, it's a different type of topic that we've covered for these episodes of my cancer story podcast, but I think it's a, it's a necessary topic. Um, I know a lot of people, it's kind of taboo to talk about sex and intimacy, but I think it's so important for those uh, to be able to talk about it in general and along with being, um, a cancer survivor or or going through cancer treatments because ultimately it does affect your relationships and um, in how you interact with your partner on an intimate setting. So guys, you're going to love this episode. Tess is the sweetest thing in the whole world. She has so many great analogies. She has so much knowledge to share that we couldn't, I feel like we couldn't even fit it all into one episode. But be sure to check out the episode notes so you can learn more about her, what she does, her online courses, all of the content that she has online, her book. And she also gives some really great recommendations for products out there too, unpaid, of course, but she just like loves what she does and she just wants to help people. So please, without further ado, please meet Tess and this is her cancer story. We'll get started and welcome Tess to my cancer story podcast, our, our brand new episode. You are officially episode four. You're going to be episode four of season three. That's so actually welcome. one of my favorite numbers. Thank oh, you. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. it. It's meant to be. I love yes, it. <laughs> <that's to me. laughs> Thanks for having yeah. Oh my gosh. It's my pleasure. And, uh, before, um, everybody, before we started recording, we were talking about like, um, how it was important for me, especially for this season to, to have different people of walks of life associated with cancer, whether they're survivors, family members, doctors, um, doing something really special and unique with, uh, their journey and how they're making a difference in the cancer world. And when you reached out to me, I got super excited to share your story. You have a cancer story, but then also occupationally what you do in, in real life, um, helping others out there too. So Tess is a sexuality and cancer specialist, a sexuality, occupational therapist and sexologist. And I think most recently author. So, um, you, you're just doing it all like covering everything. And I'm super excited to hear what you're doing, but, uh, from here, I typically will let you take it over, uh, talk about your stage three breast cancer. 
Mm. Um, and, uh, how you found it, how you were diagnosed and in your current situation, what you're going through right now, and then how you've applied what you do to yourself as well as others, how you help others. Oh, okay. Oh, big story. That was a mouthful. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, no. This is great. Um, so you may tell by my accent that I am in Australia. I'm way down on the bottom in uh, the scorching hot Melbourne right now. <laughs> I was I was 36 years old, so I'm 39 now. You look um, way younger. I thought I was I thought I was older than you. I'm 37. Really? So you, you have like I, a baby face. I am going to take that. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Chemo aged me. Oh no. <laughs> Crow's feet, gray hair. Like, oh my goodness. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh. Chemo's the um, yeah, I was, so I was 36 and I, um, I was already working in sexuality. So I was working as a sexuality educator, workshop facilitator, and also working in neurological rehabilitation in public and private hospitals as an OT across okay. um, Melbourne, Australia. And a part of that job was, you know, yes, I would teach people how to move their arm again after a stroke, but I'd also address sexuality. So it was already my world. Uh, I was <laughs> I was in my partner's bed. I'm already going to be oversharing. I hope that's okay. <laughs> I love it. People, I know the listeners are going to love it. At least the people that I know that listen. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> warning, it's going to get uh, pretty intimate. Um, <laughs> I was in my partner's bed. And so I'd recently, recent, a few years back, um, escaped a very highly abusive relationship. And I was only just starting to come to like my body and myself again. And I was in a part of my partner's bed and I was just touching my body and my breasts. I was like, oh. These are nice, aren't they? Breasts are so nice and squishy. Yeah. Aren't they lovely? And then to the right, um, under my armpit, about 10 o'clock, was this very large, very large lump that was hard. And I just stopped and went, oh, that's not supposed to be there. But because in the past I've found very small lumps and they've always been benign cysts. So I actually didn't. I didn't freak out because I was like, ah, it's probably just a massive cyst. But because I was working in hospitals at the time, you know, I rigged the system, I got special treatment and I had my scans pretty much immediately. Uh, and so <laughs> I actually knew I had cancer before I was told. Um, I was at work and I had three missed calls from my doctor's office and voice messages saying, we just want to make sure you're coming in to get your results. I was like, I've never had that before. Okay. Yeah. I've got cancer. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, you know, stage one maybe, or it'll be yeah. fine. And so the words were, um, so you have multiple cancers in both breasts and Shush. you're likely to lose both of them and potentially your life. I was like, oh. And so then I went into, because I'm a clinician, I went into like emergency crisis mode. And so I just went, okay, so let's just break this down. What are the next steps? What do we need to do? Where are the referrals and how can I help you make this happen? And my doctor's like, Tess, I need you to, I need you to breathe. I need you to breathe. <laughs> and I was like going into like medical professional mode. And then, yeah. um, yeah. And the doctor's like, I've got this from here. I'll call you tomorrow. And then I left. And then of course I broke down. Um, yeah. And I guess I think I had, I think everyone's experiences are almost exactly the same and also completely different. You know, I was just doing the, oh my God, what about my work? What about my sex? What about like, I've just started to like myself again. 
How do I end my life? What do I want to do with this? How do I support myself? Because I was living, I am, uh, I do live independently. Um, the, yeah, so I think, uh, yeah, that was the big one actually. So thanks yeah. to my friends um, who supported me financially with a GoFundMe campaign. Wow. Yeah, I got, I got through because I couldn't work. I was, I was that person who was so unwell on all treatments. So I've had six months of chemo. So I had seven surgeries, six oh. months of chemo, five weeks of daily radiotherapy, and I'm two and a half years into endocrine treatments right now the hormone treatments, um, which, uh, oh my goodness, boy, was I wrong thinking that that would be manageable. Yeah. I'm, I'm really struggling. And, um, what an eye opener to the experience of, of cancer. I just learned, it's a whole new language, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> working in sexuality already. I experienced like everybody sexual side effects, but no one talked to me about it. I was like, how are you not talking to me about this? This is I'm in pain. I can barely walk from vaginal pain right now. You know, I'm, I, what's happening to my libido where like, I have no sensory feedback on my body. What's happening to my nervous system. I have mouth ulcers. I couldn't kiss my partner. You know, it was all these things. And like the intimacy, I was petrified of hurting my partner. I was told I was potentially harmful to those around me. So I totally stopped touching my partner. So our intimacy and, you know, we had a disconnection for a while. Yeah. And then I, so then I had to rehabilitate myself. I became my own sex therapist and my partner's um, a counsellor and also works in sexuality. So we really put our skills to the test. Yeah. Um, and I just, I was gobsmacked. Two things. One, I couldn't believe how hard this was. <laughs> like, oh my God, I have all the training and all the skills and I am struggling. Um, God, we're hard on ourselves, aren't we? And we are, the, se yeah. the second thing was I, I couldn't believe the gap in the system that no one talked to me about this. And I would bring it, I always brought it up, and but there was just no resources. And so I just went, you know what? I've got the clinical experience. I've got the educational training. I've studied this at uni. I've got a decade of experience teaching people about this stuff and I've got cancer and I, and I get it. So guess what? I think I'm the only one that can really do this justice. I'm going to fill the gap. And now I'm here. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really finding, finding that need. And like you said, filling the gap with that, like how, I wouldn't say lucky, like how, unique is it that you and your partner have this this sexuality background and I think it was how perfect for you to have that partner in your life to to know and to essentially understand or empathize with what's going on with your body yeah. and that it's not it's not it's not currently you it's not the you of the past it's it's not going to be you forever and then for them to understand that I think that's so important and to have somebody like in your corner and just gets it like, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to do yeah. this? Like, let's, yeah. let's figure this out. I think that's yeah. so important. And a part of, um, my role as an educator, like the workshops I facilitate is in communication. So I teach people how to communicate openly with each other about their bodies and how to say what they might want or what they don't want in a non-shaming way. And like, it's, you know, you can say no, and it's full of love. You can receive a no and just be so grateful that your partner's being honest with you. You know, it's yeah. so much communication stuff. And my, my book is 
filled with sentence strings, literally quotes that you can say to each other because oh, people aren't, we're not taught this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, the communication part was really, it was a, yeah, I'm so glad that we had those skills, but you know, again, we are so trained and experienced and we struggled. So I was just like, this can't, yeah. this can, this has to be unmanageable for everyone out there. I have to help, you know, mm-hmm. This is um, crazy. And I have 4,000 people at the moment in my online support group, which is Intimacy and Cancer. It's global on Facebook. And the thing I hear the most, oh, it's heartbreaking, is everyone says when they join and they see all of the threads of like, hey, everyone, look, I've I've got some pain during sex. What can I do? What do you try? You know, like I can't, I'm just so tired. What can I do? And everyone's just like, oh, my God, I thought I was the only one. I can't believe there's so many out there. I can't believe I'm not alone. Like, I thought I was the only one with this struggle. Um, And I think that's because it doesn't get spoken about. So we think that it's not a normal side effect. So then we think it's unique to us and that we just have to put up with it. And it's just the total opposite. Everyone is having these problems. Because look at what cancer treatments do to us. They're brutal. Of course we're going to have side effects. <laughs> and every, like, 99, I'm going to, like, I'm just going to say it, 100% of the human humans on the planet, stress impacts libido. Mm-hmm. And for about 1% of the human population, it increases libido. But for the 99% of us out there, it de- decreases libido. And what is more stressful than cancer treatments and a diagnosis and trying to manage your life around that. Um, And again, it's just people thinking that they're broken. I'm like, no, actually your body's responding normally to what's happening. Um, You're normal. You're not broken. This is, but this is how we can work on rehabilitating it. This is how we can work on managing it. I'm going to help you relieve your pain. This is how you can connect with your partner without it having to be penetration focused so that you guys can get that love back, the affection back. You can kiss again, be laughing and touching again. And it's not about the pressure of it going somewhere. Mm -hmm. So I feel like, um, Wow, that was a really long-winded response to your talking about communication. <laughs> no, it's good. <laughs> I just got very ranty. I'm so passionate about this. <laughs> That's perfect. That's why you're here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> nobody's nobody's listening to listen to me talk. So. <laughs> no, and that's, oh, and that's true. Um, Every, everybody has different communication. Um, uh, they call it love language or communication ways they communicate. Mm. It's very difficult. I, I feel to find that person, whether it's, you know, just a, a, a friend, a loved one, your partner to find somebody that's it, that you can either get sy- like symbiotic with, or to start to understand the way that they do communicate because my husband and I were not perfect the first year or two together. And then we just mm. had to figure it out. And, and I, understand where each person's coming from when they're communicate a certain way. And this is what I mean. And like, it's, it's, it was definitely a learning process for us. Yeah. Cause we weren't perfect in our communication, love language, whatever it was um, at, at the get go. And I think that's just so important in any relationship in general. Yeah. And yep. then on top of that, having a stressor of a cancer diagnosis, weighing down everything else in your life. Yeah. It's, it's, it's eye-opening as well because we're not com- we're not raised to be comfortable to talk vulnerably and openly. Um, for some reason, it's seen commonly as weakness to o- openly admit you're struggling. It's very it's very sad. Yeah. Um, 
And oh my gosh, yeah, put cancer into the mix. And the problem is, is that the side effects that people experience, I mean, there's very, very common themes. Like the top four themes I support people with are how to get your libido back, um, how to manage genital dysfunction. So that could be changes in erection or it could be uh, vaginal atrophy, dryness, pain, um, and then body image changes and also fatigue. They're the top four, but there's a lot of other changes and things that are very unpredictable. And when we don't know what's happening to our body, it's very hard to communicate where you're at and what you need. So that, like communicating in partnerships just gets even more difficult mm-hmm. because when, when a partner says, I love you, um, what do you need? You're like, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I honestly don't know what's happening. So my partner and I, we would actually, I'm not going to call it a game, but every week we answered three questions. We would take turns in answering the same three questions. It was, how are you doing in your body at the moment? What is your relationship to sex right now? And what do you love about this partner? And we would answer those three questions and it was a way for us to get an idea of where we were at. The rule was no interrupting and every answer is perfect. (laughs) And um, yeah, yeah. And from there, we we really dropped into, I call it somatic language, uh, where instead of saying, I'm feeling stressed and upset, I'm like, okay, but what's happening in your body? And you're like, okay, I I have joint pain. I feel heavy all over and I have pain in my genitals. Like it hurts to walk. And so we switched our language to be very, very descriptive. And that was, that was perfect for us because then we were able to navigate. Okay. So how about a cuddle and a kiss? Do you think that that would be appropriate? Because that's going to be you lying down and you won't be holding yourself up. So that might help with the bone pain. So again, it's these conversations that we as trained sexuality educators like we're able to have but um yeah I, I i coach people and help people just feel a little more comfortable talking about their bodies in a way of exactly what's happening so then you can connect around it and you're going to hear me say the word connection and intimacy a lot it's not just sex it's it's about it's it's intimacy it's everything it's our relationships it's our connection to ourselves it's our self-worth it's dating, it's resilience and coping and happiness and quality of life. It's pleasure as well. It's arousal possibly. But, um, yeah, it's so much more. Like that's why I call myself uh, often, I call myself an intimacy OT mm-hmm. um, just because the word sex has a lot of yeah. shame around it. And it's it's sex it's is just taboo. one part. Yeah, yeah, but it's also just one part of it, you know. Mm-hmm. And, then, yeah. and another thing is when people... When people have, I'm just going to say, um, like when partners are distant and they disconnect and they're not having sex and there's the guilt and shame for not having sex and then that, of course, is going to make you not want it more because you're associating sex with something that's like guilty and shameful and, mm-hmm. you know, gives you negative emotions. But people so often think that they have to go from not having the sex to having the sex and there's like nothing in between. Mm. And so I'm I, a lot of my work and I have like 12 activities, practical fun activities in my book of things you can do with a partner or yourself that are fun and intimate, affectionate and connective. They have a structure, a beginning and an end, and it's not about sex. It's about reconnecting with your body, reconnecting with your partner and having fun and that is the thing that leads to sex. You know, you're going to want you're going to want to connect with your partner more when it's when you feel safe, when you feel relaxed, when you're not obligated, when you feel like it's not a chore, when you're not worried about pain. 
pain or being disappointed in a lack of function. So it's, it's, it's intimacy is everything, you know, and then that's a huge one for libido. You know, we're not going to want something that we feel forced to want, mm-hmm. but we are going to want something that um, is, you know, it's, it's there in the background, but it's not a necessity and you're already on your way to reconnecting. So this is all neuroscience. Sorry, I'm a total neuro nerd. And like lib- libido is neurological. Um, it's our, our largest sex organ is in our brain. It's between our ears, not our legs. I believe it. So <laughs> yeah, lib- libido is literally, it's neurological rehabilitation and everyone's probably listening like, oh my God, what am I listening to? I promise it's really easy. It's so easy to do but it's super complicated in the background of what's going on when you're it's just rewiring pleasure pathways in your brain through doing like fun connective stuff with your partner um but it's not about sex the sex comes after automatically when you're having fun and feeling connective and you want you want to touch your partner because it feels good and it's a happy side effect (laughs) yeah exactly exactly no that makes sense like your your largest sex organ is your brain and i Mm. feel that I wouldn't say like all women or um, women in general are tend to be very cerebral and we, we think we overthink things. And at least for me, I, I tend to think too much. And that's, that's where I struggle with the, not saying I don't connect with my partner, but like sexually letting go and, and stopping thinking. I think uh-huh, that's yeah. where I struggle with like just letting go and, and having fun and enjoying it instead of like being in my head, like, Oh, do you know, I still need to do the dishes or I hear the dog walking around or, Oh, you're like, like me. I'm like, <laughs> I just need to shut my brain off. Yeah. 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 I have to do all of those things before yeah. I'm, I'm booking. Like I actually schedule intimate time with partners and I'm well rested. I've done all the things I know it's yeah. happening. I'm prepared. I'm ready. I'm going to be relaxed. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's so funny. Like I, a lot of the work I do, um I teach people like I coach people and and their partners how to offer um, an experience pleasure for people that can't get an erection but still have orgasms and people don't didn't they're like what I can have an orgasm even if I'm not erect I'm like yeah because it's your brain it's all in your brain and all we need to do is get some wiring back in again it's all neuroscience um so I do a lot of work in the prostate cancer community um with partners as well like this is how you can offer your partner by the way I'm not I'm not a hands-on practitioner I have like a, a little penis model in my hand and I show people I have such a strange job <laughs> But it's amazing because I'm like teaching their partners how to offer them like, you know, really erotic massage. And then all of a sudden I get this email the next day from someone in South Africa, like, Tess, I just had my first orgasm in two years. I'm like, oh my God, yay. Oh my God. That's it. That's going to be incredibly rewarding for you too, just to like hear and get your feedback from that and somebody who's been struggling and just have that, that like almost like that tangible reaction yeah 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 and and you know not being orgasm focused because that's just a part of it but um I yeah a few people I I cry a lot I'm so emotional when like I help I like to help people more than I like to help myself I know that that is a bit of a flaw um but when I I'm getting a lot of emails at the moment from people um who have read my book and they're just saying to me like Tess we are so grateful for the communication tools that you've given us. Like we're actually, we're talking more, we're connecting more and we just feel so much more relaxed around each other because we know how to say 
what we want, how we're feeling. Like, thank you, your your help. You've helped us so much, and I'm just like, oh my god, bawling my eyes out reading it. <laughs> like, um, I do want to touch on. Oh, sorry, please go. Oh no, it's, it's like it's just it's a nice, almost like a warm fuzzy, for lack of a better term, to 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 get that feedback and and yeah, we're such a simple concept. It's not so simple for people to connect and have that intimacy, non-sexual intimacy to be able to connect with their partner like that and communicate that with them. But I'm yeah. Listeners, I'm throwing my hands up in frustration because (laughs) it's like, so we're not, we're not taught about sex. Right. And, and we're not really taught how to communicate about Mm -hmm. sex and it's presented wrong in the media. Mm -hmm. But it's used everywhere to sell, but we're supposed to be good at it. We're supposed to want it all the time. Yeah. You can't have too much of it. You can't have too little of it. And and we're supposed to magically, it's supposed to, our bodies are supposed to work perfectly every time. Yeah. It's just ridiculous how much, um, yeah, the, of course, we're going to find this difficult to talk about because there's no education. There's no, like, only now are people starting to show more realistic forms of sex in like TV series and movies. Um, so yeah, the, the, the gaps, the gaps in the system start, they start at like a really young age. So it's kind of like having to teach people how to go, not back to the big beginning, but really simple tools that are just so effective that people are like, I can't believe we weren't doing that before. It's so simple. I'm like, yeah, yeah but yeah, you don't know. And you don't know what you don't know. You're, like, you're yeah, not taught yeah. this. Hmm. Sorry, so I interrupted you before. Yeah, I did touch on a subject. Yeah, you mentioned, um, yeah, I I do want to, oh, God, there's so many things I want to say. (laughs) (laughs) Firstly, in your head, you mentioned being in your head and that's a huge one uh, with body image changes and the way our bodies change, you know, it could be weight changes, hair loss, surgery scars, Mm. radiotherapy scar, you know, it's just the ways like removed body parts, you know, the, yeah, the yeah. ways our bodies change are, is, is quite endless. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way we see ourselves changes and the way we feel about ourselves changes. And that is a huge barrier to people wanting to connect with themselves and their partners um, because we're, we're in our head, you know, and again, the brain is our largest sex organ. Mm-hmm. So giving yourself, I actually tell people, um, well, firstly, you don't need to have sex naked. You can put a nighty on or something mm-hmm. lacy or a sarong you know there's amazing things that cover stoma bags now that look great mm-hmm. like there's so many things you can do but to learn to relearn how to feel self-confident um it's about oh, i'm really sorry to say this everybody but it's about grieving the loss of your old body mm-hmm. um and then learning how to process the the changes and stepping towards accepting the new one. And I know that's so easy to say, and it's definitely not easy to do, but um, there's so many steps that we can take, like, you know, switching, switching what you read. Do you read beauty magazines? The, the world is designed to tell us we're ugly, so we buy their products, the trillion-dollar beauty industry. It's, it's awful, you know. Um, do you watch movies where everyone has unrealistic body types that are unachievable unless you have millions of dollars for surgery? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do you spend time with people that put you down? 
Do you, um, you know, do you walk? Do you get some form of exercise? Like even five minutes of walking a day is helpful. But then there's the physical part of it as well. You know, I call it an undressing ritual. I've done this a lot. Um, and it's, it's something that I recommend in my book for people who have body image changes is you're standing in front of a mirror um, or a partner, but that's, that's pretty scary. Um, but go for it if you feel comfortable to do so. But you remove an item of clothing just one, and you look at that piece of your body and you say a word of love about it. Like, okay, as I remove my sock, I really love how my toes can spread like a frog. That's actually one I've said out loud to myself. (laughs) And as I remove my pants and see my lower back, I really like the curve of where my back meets my, my bottom. You know, that's a really nice curve. As I remove my top I'm reminded of how strong I am you know and and I I do I did it really slowly like I would do one um, one item of clothing I would breathe probably cry you know usually cried for a while and then that would be it and I'd go back next week and then I'd remove two items of clothing and it was a huge huge step for me in the sense of processing my body changes Mm -hmm. and learning how to be naked in front of myself and then I did it with a partner where I would remove an item of clothing and then they would And then we took turns and we were each saying the things that we were self-conscious about and also the things that we wanted to invite in. Like as I remove my belt, I'm letting go of my anxiety, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was just so powerful. You know, we're both on a very open, vulnerable place. And uh, yeah, it really helped. It just helped. I'm, I'm very, you know, I've had a breast removed. I've got a a scar so big on my back. I call it the shark bite. (gasps) You know, um, I can still see radiotherapy burns from years ago it's it's all very yeah I'm I'm it's difficult for me to be naked in front of people uh, but mm-hmm. there are things that that can help mm-hmm. and you also said something <laughs> so many things I'm sorry no um, don't apologize this is great yeah I, I do want to touch on um so I've mentioned libido a little bit but there's a funny little thing that happens in our body um so Treatments and medications change our our libido, which is the wanting, you know, like libido is wanting to be intimate. Um, So people think that they no longer want sex at all. But a lot of the time what has happened is that I'm using we because I, I am in this state right now, is that the treatments and meds that we're on, they actually delay our arousal responses. So we just take, we take longer to get into it. So we feel like we don't want sex at all. I call it reactive versus proactive arousal. So proactive is like you're walking down the street and, you know, it's a really nice day and the sun's shining and all of a sudden you're you're feeling a tingle in your pants and like, oh, hello. Oh, okay. So that's just proactively like, you know, nothing's happening and there it is. But reactive means it has to react to something and it's, probably the most common thing that I help people learn is you actually probably really want sex, but you have to let your body and your mind have time to drop into that state. So Mm. kissing, massage, you know, nothing that is genital focused, like have a bath or a warm shower before you're going to connect with yourself or a partner so that you're relaxed. You know, you've had time to mentally prepare because if we're rushed, our muscles are tight, maybe we're anxious about pain, it's not going to be enjoyable. But if we give ourselves, if we go slow, slow sex is 
so much better when we're going through treatments because it gives our bodies time to kick in that arousal response. And by arousal response, I mean blood flow. So blood flow is everything. And when we're relaxed, we're breathing, blood circulates, and then our tissues internally and our genitals can become engorged. And that's how we have heightened sensation and pleasure. Blood is everything, um, speaking quite clinically now about um, sex. And so when we're not relaxed and we're not quite into it and our brain is on hyperdrive of self-consciousness or um, anxiety, like, oh, God, is this going to hurt? Oh, God, what if I don't, what if I can't get erect? You know, um, it's, it's actually going to be a blocker of your enjoyment. So giving yourself time, again, I've got 12 things you can do in, in my book that are all these activities of ways to slowly connect and allow your arousal responses to kick in. Because when we get that blood flow to our internal tissues, it's, it's, it's almost magical. It's when we have more elasticity, we have more natural lubrication. I'm speaking yes. for people who have vulvas and vaginas now. Um, and it reduces pain, if not completely, say for things like vaginal atrophy, um, which is super common from so many cancer treatments. Um, so I guess I just wanted to say that there's a lot of people out there who think that they just have zero libido, but actually they just need a bit more time to want it, a bit more time and touch and activity to kind of like get in, get into the mood. Mm -hmm. So some people even, um, they like watch an erotic movie with their partner on, in, in bed and just like hold hands, um, you know, getting psychologically uh, into it. And some people find that is just plenty for them, you know. So there's, there's, again, I just wanted to give, give you hope, you know, like maybe you're not, you're not as broken as, as you think, as so many people in my support group say, um, yeah, it could just be that you just need a bit more time and touch, which is actually pretty normal. Absolutely. The delayed, you know, the delayed arousal response makes people think that they have zero interest in sex, but they actually just need, you know, a bit of warm up, you know, a bit of time yeah. to get into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's, that's, uh, I don't know. I always, I always joke about that with my husband. I was like, I need, a, I need a little bit more of a warm up. So I think, I think that's like a, a, once again, a logical thing, but not always a well-known thing. And the science behind it and how you described it makes perfect sense. And good on you for voicing that you might need a bit more time because yeah. <laughs> it's going to be, it's if it's yeah. good for both of you. Mm -hmm. You're going to want it more. And yeah. that, again, that's the, that's the neuroscience behind libido. If, it, if one of you isn't having a good time the other partner's going to feel awful. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to start yeah. to associate sex with something that is not great and you're going to want it less, you know, yeah. it's very complicated. Libido is so complicated. Domino effect. It's crazy how much one, yeah. one small thing can really affect the greater <sighs> outcome. Yeah. And it's, and it's not, it's not just, so the psych psychologically, Oh my God. There's like <laughs> so many things. Ah! <laughs> you can see why I had to write a book on this. Cause yeah. there's just so many just, like, want to like download it all to me right now. <laughs> oh my God. Um, I call, I call libido an onion. I'm all about the visual analogies. Yes. I'm ADHD. So I have like a million things happening in my brain all the time, but um, it's an onion. Right. And so there's yeah. these la the layers. So the first layer that impacts libido is physical stuff, you know, so pain, yeah. fatigue you know maybe you're having radiotherapy and you've got like a sore chest or a sore neck or you know there's so many physical bone pain anything like physical but then you've got the psychological effects which is what we've been discussing guilt for not wanting sex 
shame for not wanting it more, um, the obligation that you should, oh, that word, that you should be having or wanting sex more. Mm. But then there's stress, you know, financial stress, um, family stress, like survival stress. It's all, you know, anxiety, stress, you know, all of those things. And then there's the other layer, which is the neurological side. So this is why I keep talking about intimacy. I say like intimacy is the thing that keeps the coals burning. So relighting the fire is easier later on. And keeping those coals burning is, again, it's affection and touch and connection and intimacy. Um, And that's reminding your brain that you do enjoy touch and that you enjoy touch with yourself or with a partner Mm -hmm. and that you feel safe and you like it. And then that's how you start to want it. Again, it's, it's, it's neuroplasticity. It's like over time your brain is going to rewire and it's going to release all of that stress and anxiety. And it's like, oh, no, no, I want touch. Give me more touch. I want the touch. And then when you feel like safe and relaxed, you know, and then it, again, it's the domino effect. I like that analogy. Oh, thanks. Mm. <laughs> Add Good that one. to the onion. <laughs> yeah. I'm so going to use that. If that's I okay. love it. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. That's not my own thought process. <laughs> yeah. Great. Yeah, absolutely. So with, with everything that you learned in schooling and through your own practice prior to your own cancer experience, how, I guess, how becoming your own patient, your own guinea pig, essentially, because you're utilizing the the theories and um, education on yourself, like how did that change your, your practice and in your outlook and, and how you did things with, with patients that you had currently had Mm. or new patients coming through? Did you narrow it down to more like on the cancer side, or did you apply a lot of what you learned about yourself to all of, all of the patients that you, you work with? Oh, all, everything you just said. Yes. Um, (laughs) yes. Firstly, (laughs) firstly, being my own therapist was awful. (laughs) I can only imagine. Like, I think, I I think we're our own worst enemies or whatever, like the worst patients. (laughs) If a doctor tells me to do something, I do it to the letter, you know, and again, that's possibly my ADHD slash OCD side. But if it's up to me, like, I I don't want to do that. So what happened was I, so I, I was diagnosed and then I went straight into, I mean, we can all relate to the first couple of weeks after a diagnosis of the scans and the, and the hell and the diagnosis and prognosis changing with every result. And it's just insane. Um, and I went straight into chemo after, like I was flown through the system, which was very scary for me. What I've never seen working in hospitals, I've never seen a medical team pick up to speed so quickly as they did for me. So I was very grateful, but yeah. petrified. Yeah. Um, so I was working in public hospitals at the time as an OT in, um, I think it was special generalist surgeries in an acute ward. And my job, I was literally running up and down stairs to patients' rooms. I was so busy. And as soon as I ha- had chemo, I was like, I-, I can't go to work. This is ridiculous. So then I'd like, so I, then I was jobless for a little while. Um, and then, of course, I mentioned before, you know, thanks to my beautiful friends, um, I had some support with paying my rent. But then that's when I experienced the sexual side effects. And then that's when I saw the gap in the system. And that's when I realized, okay, I can actually really help people here. So that's when I created Connectable Therapies, my private 
business. Okay. And that's when I decided to focus on cancer. I also have another stream in my business and I also help people living with disability. So cancer and then disability. So I, um, because that's another very underlooked um, part, like there's such, there's such a minority group and no one sees people with disabilities, sexual beings, and it's, it's just awful. Same mm-hmm. with people with cancer. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're my two streams. But what, what is, what is amazing is, so I'm one of those people where, um, you know, I think I'm like everyone actually, where I don't really have huge self-confidence and, you know, like I like other people more than I like myself and everyone thinks I'm really confident because I'm loud, but that's just because I'm neurodivergent and I don't know how to not be loud. And so, but because I had to, because I've done all of the stuff, you know, like I've managed my fatigue, I've rehabilitated my libido, I've taught myself how to orgasm again, you know, all these things, I've like the communication tools with my partner, um, even with my healthcare professionals, I've, you know, but it works because I've done it. Mm. And so I guess that's given me so much confidence to firstly, I've got an online course for couples, which is Mm rehabilitating intimacy and libido um, and it's all online so it's in the privacy of your own home and people are just like oh my god Tess you've given us back what we've lost and I'm like yeah it's neuroscience all you have to do is like <laughs> it's just two dates a week like there you go it's done you know yeah. with a few rules of course yeah. um, and I would never have done that without the personal experience because I probably wouldn't have the confidence that I have now like oh my god this actually works I can 100% help you um, hence the online support group, the one-on-one consultations I do globally, the book, which is another way I'm just trying to reach people because so many people are scared to talk about this. I'm like, okay, so I've got a YouTube channel. You can watch short videos on intimacy and cancer. There's a book you can accidentally leave it out for your partner to find, you know, (laughs) read it under the covers. Um, there's the support group, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying because, I really can, I'm just, I'm, I can help. I know I can help because I've done it. I've been there, done that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't sit back knowing how many people are suffering mm-hmm. and knowing that I'm the one that can help change their lives. It just, it just doesn't compute. I can't, I can't sit back and not do that. It just doesn't. Yeah. That would be awful. Well, you're amazing for sharing that information and finding different mediums to get to people through whether it's like your same videos, a course online, your book, like however you can get it to them, you'll get it to them because it's a, not many people are just going to like go out and ask for help. Be like, Hey, yeah, I'm having, I'm having problems in the bedroom with my partner. Can you help me? As opposed to like, Oh, this thing exists. Let me look more into it. Let me learn more. Yeah. I'll join this, this group on Mm. on Facebook or yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll reach out and do one-on-one therapy sessions or whatever it is. And I think that's, really important for people to know that they're safe and yeah that it's something fun. yeah and then it's uh, something not or- out of the ordinary like you said they're not broken it's it's, it's no. all too common <laughs> it's normal yeah. it's normal yeah. Yeah. yeah we're all normal for struggling yeah yeah and I think um <laughs> the past two years I've been really um I've been working really hard and I think that could be thanks to all of the lockdowns we've had in our city. <laughs> so I was like, what am I going to do? I'm going to create all this stuff to help oh, people. Content. <laughs> <laughs> like my, my ADHD brain, I'm like, I have to do something productive. Yeah. Oh my God. And so then I just went on a mission to just help as many as I could. That's amazing. Yeah. You're an amazing human for doing that. 
Oh, thank you. Yeah, I just got to figure out how to reach everyone to help them realize that they're not alone and there is support. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say I have a, um, not a huge following, but I, I think that like a, there's enough word of mouth that, you know, people can hear it and listen and, and recommend to like just doing, doing stuff. I think like this is getting the information out there just so people yeah. know it exists. Like you said, a lot of people don't know what they don't know. Yeah. And so, yeah. um, like I had no idea that a lot of li well, libido is, is, is neuro neurological and it's all in the brain and it's all these things. It's like, wow, it's, I think it's just your sex organs and that's it. But yeah, yeah, it's, you, you learn something new. I, I had yeah. no idea. <laughs> and even just things like lubricants. Mm -hmm. Um, so many people who have uh, vaginal pain, like, oh, you know, sex really hurts. I'm like, what lubricant are you using? I'm like, oh, this this water-based blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, our bodies are designed to absorb water and you've actually had internal radiation or, you you know, you have you have vaginal atrophy right now. So water-based lubricant is going to get absorbed in a couple of seconds and that's actually probably going to cause you more pain. Um, so you could try wax-based, you could try oil-based, you could try silicon-based. Here's a whole band. You've got hybrids, you've got sterile. And people are just like, what? Oh, my God, I didn't even know there was more than one type. I'm like, you can try, use this type for this type of activity, use this type in like, a, you know, and um, and it's even just small things like that. You don't know what you don't know. And, and I, yeah, and, oh, there's just so much. <laughs> So much, so much information. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that either. I just assumed like all lubricants were like water-based. I don't know. Yeah, and and especially um, for people who are, I'm just going to say, um, more senior in mm -hmm. in life and are undergoing perimenopause or menopause. Uh, it's the exact same thing, like vaginal atrophy that might, a lot of people get from treatments. Um, yeah, water-based lube is not is not the go-to. Um, mm -hmm. It just got, gets absorbed too quickly. Um, can I, I, I want to recommend a product, but I don't know if that's going to be salesy. I don't want to, it's yeah, not mine, but is that okay? Yeah, go there's for a, it. There's a pelvic floor physiotherapist oh. in Australia who has made a 100% natural, uh, intimate, it can be a moisturizer or a lubricant. It's called Olive and Bee. It's just wax and olive oil. It is sensational. Um, I use it constantly. I recommend it to everybody. And it's amazing if say you're having some form of internal, um, even if you're having an internal medical examination mm -hmm. and the lubricant and it still hurts or you do penetrative sex with fingers or toys or, or penises or whatever um, and you're using lube and it still hurts, um, you may need to get, get an examination because there's many things it could be, but you also could try a lubricant that firstly, olive and bee has healing properties. It's hundred percent natural, but the wax, it creates a, a barrier, you know, so it actually really protects the tissues. Um, people, I, I just swear by it. And I, yeah, I didn't know if that was okay to say, I don't want to yeah, like, sound like a salesperson paid for it. So it's, it's, it's yeah. your honest review. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's, and they sell globally and like, oh, um, that's good I, to know. yeah, they're, it's, it's really good stuff. Oh, that's, so awesome. that's a wax based lubricant. Okay. I'm all about like the pelvic floor work. So I think yes. it's super, oh. super cool. It's so interesting. Oh. I, I teach Pilates as part of oh. one of my jobs and like being able to like get in touch with your pelvic floor and understanding like how to engage. It's like, it's incredible to like be able to feel your, your, your body get stronger in like a different yeah. way. Just like, yeah. I didn't know how to engage this and I didn't know how to, who, to, to get this to 
to work because like, yeah. they're like, Oh, activate it. And I'm like, how, what does just, that mean? <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know what that means, but like, there's like, there's different like programs that I, I looked into and, and also from teaching Pilates, it's just like, wow, that's really incredible to like actually feel a, a strength change in, in, in yeah. properly engaging your pelvic floor. And I just find that that whole topic is fascinating for me. It's like a hammock that holds everything yeah. in, you yeah. know? Um, and again, like pelvic health, is essential for things like pleasure and arousal. Um, and I always say to people, you don't, oh, can I please, can I please just go on one more mini rant? No, do it. Yes. No, this is really important. Please, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, oh goodness. Okay. So, so often um, people in, I'm in a lot of cancer support groups online and, uh, and also the one that I manage and run um, people say, that when they go to their gynecologist or their doctor or their oncologist about vaginal pain during penetrative sex, mm -hmm. that they are told the words, use it or lose it. Um, now, mm -hmm. that's actually a neurological term. It's what we in the neurosciences use for neuroplasticity. When we're rehabilitating people neurologically on a cognitive level or um, where, you know, again, it's, it's neuroscience, it's about function but it's not about musculoskeletal pain what that person is telling you to do is if you had a broken leg to walk on it um i know a lot of people who are forcing themselves to have painful sex mm -hmm. it's a terrible experience for them and their partners it's creating more anxiety and it's also quite traumatic um so i just i also need to say that the people that are recommending this or saying use it or lose it they understand that blood flow is a very important part of healing tissue. Mm -hmm. And they know that arousal is a really awesome way to get so much blood flow to the internal deep, deep tissues and structures of a pelvis. Mm -hmm. What they don't understand is that there's plenty of other ways to get blood flow to your pelvis that doesn't involve penetration, that doesn't involve you causing yourself more pain and more harm and potentially more damage. Um, so I just want to say things like, firstly, the amazing clitoris, which is inside of us and outside of us, mm -hmm. um, stimulation, there's incredible vibration. Um, I, I call them clit suckers, but that's not the right term. I think they're <laughs> clitoral vibrators. <laughs> Crazy. I'm like, damn, like the toy, the toy, the adult toy variety oh, has endless. really picked their game up like yeah. i'm just like i didn't know like such suction things existed it's, it's and it is amazing <laughs> i've never heard a bad review to anyone no. i've recommended it to oh my God. not one but it's scary stuff yeah. using a toy right yeah. it's yeah. you know especially because people are like i've never needed that before what's wrong with me i'm like no 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 this is like we are designed the we are not designed to have orgasms vaginally we are designed to have them through our clitoris like that's actually how we are designed the vaginal canals for for birthing the the clitoris um the pleasure we receive from uh, penetrative sex when we're aroused is actually stimulating the internal clitoral structures it's huge it's actually a massive massive organ um yeah and so i guess like you can stimulate your clitoris to get aroused. You can offer your partner pleasure to get aroused. You can watch erotica to get aroused. Dirty talk, 
you have mouths, you know, you doesn't have to, you don't have to go internally, but then there's also things like going for a walk, you know, you like even blood that flow. gets blood flow to your <laughs> pelvis, right? Yeah. Soaking in a bath that mm-hmm. gets blood flow to your pelvis. Cause you're relaxed, you know? And so I, I really just want to say to people, um, that statement makes you think that you, you should force yourself to have an experience that is painful. Um, please don't, there's other ways. Like there's plenty of other ways to help heal your atrophy as well as, you know, internal moisturizers. They're incredible. You can get hormone-free ones too. Um, And people in the States, you're so lucky. You have a company called Bonafide. We can't get it in Australia. Um, They're amazing for, they're designed for people in perimenopause and menopause, but people with cancer use their products too because they're hormone-free and pretty good. Um, So I guess I just wanted to say when someone says to you, use it or lose it in regards to pain, please politely say um thank you but i don't want to cause myself more pain i might get blood flow to my pelvis in other ways and then um if you're not sure how to do that find me or read my book because it's i just don't i'm i'm seeing people really hurt themselves um and i just wanted to please please don't there's hope there's other ways and I'll make sure to, within the episode notes, to include all the links that you gave me so people can find you on YouTube, find oh, your great. book on Amazon, find you on Facebook, all, all of the things, all, all the places I want them to be able to find you. So oh, I'm just going to mention you. that right now. I'll make sure to include it in the notes and then yeah. my posts on Instagram and stuff, but and there should be something for everyone there, you know, all the mediums. So mm-hmm. hopefully and your analogy is like spot on. My background is in uh, sports medicine. So like very much anatomy and anatomy based and like injury based. And you yeah. said the use it or lose it is like saying walk on a broken leg. And it's just like, yeah. no, don't do that. Yeah. You need to let it Why? heal. Like all these things. <laughs> there are different therapies that you can do to heal that because walking yeah. on it is not going to do it any good. And it's just like light bulb, like ding. It just made sense. Of course. Like, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I get, I get really upset. It's frustrating. And, um, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm also trauma trained and, uh, I do a bit of work with, um, PTSD and stuff with some of my clients and, and I'm actually treating people now who have PTSD around sex because of they were non-consenting themselves and forcing themselves to have these experience because they thought it was the only option. Mm. Um, so I guess it's a little bit of a mission to try and offer people an alternative or just that light, that, that voice in the back of their mind of like, mm. well, hang on, maybe I don't need to cause myself more pain. Maybe there's another way. Um, yeah. So thank you everybody for my very stern, <laughs> very stern warning. <laughs> no, that's good. It's okay to say, yeah go F yourself. I'm going to go do something else. I'm not going to just yeah. like hurt myself more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Not, not, not tell your doctor to go F themselves, but so, but you know, <laughs> yeah. you know maybe I mean. not. <laughs> <laughs> that could be counterproductive. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, it's, I'm, I see you looking at notes. Like, is there anything that I haven't asked that like, you feel like I, I, we should know I should share. I definitely want to know where you at, where you are at within your cancer journey right now. Mm. Um, but, uh, there's, there's, I know, I know you're a wealth of knowledge. And you, like you said, you have like a million things going through your brain at once at all times. And it's like spew it all out if you need to. Oh, this is so much. <laughs> there's so much. I, yeah, I, um, there's so many impacts, you know, even things like numbness in places where we've had radiotherapy or, surgery and nerves have been damaged um 
people are losing the ability to orgasm you can you can get it back you know you can again it's just neuroscience it's like soft slow touch practices not even focused on orgasm because remember when you're forcing yourself to do the thing it doesn't happen yeah but um you know there's there there's ways i guess like so the so my book is just really clearly like section by section fatigue pain radiotherapy chemo positioning painful penetration you know it's just like really like your go-to guide you can just pick and choose what's right for you changes in orgasm changes in pleasure Mm -hmm. communication um activities to do to reconnect that aren't sex focused things like Mm -hmm. that um just because it I, I could talk for four hours about this you know and it's it's so different for everyone and it will change for everyone throughout their cancer treatments you know I I've had endless sexual side effects from treatments in so many different ways from each different treatment. Mm. Um, so I guess it's like my go-to guide for people that I've tried to make. Um, I think the most important thing is uh, another resource for people who are having changes in erection from cancer treatments or not at all, actually just changes in erection. It's called a touchy subject. It's global. It's online. They have free online penile rehabilitation courses. They have uh, an incredible amount of information and resources on a YouTube channel, a lot of interviews with um, a professor of uh, urology in Australia at one of our best cancer hospitals. Um, We've collaborated on a uh, soft penis rehabilitation program, which is also online. They're absolutely amazing. They're designed for prostate cancer, but there's information in there for everybody. Um, and I and I just feel that there it would be very irresponsible of me to not mention them as well for people that are experiencing genital dysfunction mm-hmm. um, and changes in erection. Yeah, because remember, you, you don't have to be hard to have an orgasm, but it's just about remo- like learning how to do that. You know, it takes mm-hmm. a bit of time and practice, but the practice is pretty pleasurable. So that's OK. <laughs> it makes it more fun. <laughs> nice, nice homework. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where am I at in my treatment? So. Yes. Uh, I'm two and a half years into, I was on, we call it Zolodex here and Tamoxifen, uh, the abdominal injections. I feel like injections is not really the right word. It's like a mini apple corer that puts a pill in your stomach. It was horrible. Uh, I had to quit. I had to quit the Zolodex. The side effects were too bad. Um, I actually got to the point with my uh, vulva and vaginal pain that I couldn't walk or wear underwear or sit down. Um, so it was completely interrupted my quality of life. I couldn't function. So I, I just had to stop treatment. I was like, this is, if I can't walk and if I can't put underwear on and if I can't sit down, like the only thing I can do is lie flat on my back and cry. Oh. So I was like, you know what? I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to do this, but I'm still on tamoxifen. Okay. I'm two and a half years out of five years and I'm actually just having one of those times where I just, oh, I'm just, I'm so sick of being sick. That's frustrating. Yeah. Oh, it's so, to every, yeah, I, I said this to you before we, um, we got started. Cancer is just so much work. <laughs> it's so much work and yeah. And living alone, being independent. It's like, oh God, I just have to, yeah, it's gritting my teeth. I'm white knuckled and bearing through it. And other days I'm okay. You know, it's just so up and down. So you've caught me on one of my really, really bad days. Well. <laughs> I'm going to like lie down straight after this and probably watch Please some do. horror yeah. movies on Netflix Ooh. to feel better about myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't tell it's a bad day. Like, uh, Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Your, 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 your smiles and your attitude and your, 
uh, passion for your, what you, you do in life is, is incredible. And, and it shows through, through what this a Zoom meeting and it, it really is. And, and it, for you, for, for having a bad day and still being able to share that with us, I think is, is I'm honored. And it's just, it's so, oh. it's so important for people to hear this and for you to be able to give yourself when they're so little, like right now, you probably have feel that you can give is I'm starting to cry. I, you know, I, I, I thank you for that because that's not always easy to do. And yeah. I just want you to know that it's, it's appreciated. And I know the people who are listening appreciate it too. Thank you. I'm, I am so fortunate to be so passionate about what I do that mm. it's not difficult to force. It's not forcing myself. Like I really wanted to share and have this discussion with you because I know I can help people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm very lucky that I actually love everything about what I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but I, I really appreciate that acknowledgement and thank you. It's, yeah. it's You're welcome. I, as much as I am struggling, it's also just been so wonderful to have this conversation. Oh my God. Pleasure is all mine. I'm glad it worked out guys. We had a, people are listening. We had a lot of, I had a lot of technical difficulties today. So modern era, <laughs> we made it happen. I was so, I was like, so mad. I was like, Oh my gosh. Okay. I know, and I'm just hanging out. Like, oh, like oh, take your time. Oh, good. <laughs> so I don't get very worked up. About oh things. my gosh. <laughs> oh man. I need, I need to get down there. I feel like I'm just a ball of stress a lot, a lot oh, of times, but no. Oh, no, that's all good. But it, it worked out and I appreciate your patience. And then for you know, like, even though like not feeling super good today, like keeping, you know, like it's, it's so easy to just like cancel and like, Oh, we'll do it another time and stuff like that. And just, and just keeping up with it and how important this, this topic is mm. and then how important it is for you to get that information out there and for people to hear it and to know it exists. I, I, for, for you to buck up and, and get after it today is, is really awesome. So thank you for being thank here. You. And thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. And thank you for giving this topic voice. It's so Oh important. my gosh. It was, it's when I read, when I read it, I was like, oh, hell yeah. I like responded back once I read the email. I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. So <laughs> I was super jazzed to, to hear what you had to say and to learn something mm -hmm. new. And like my mind, I'm just blown away right now with all the information that, that you gave and mm -hmm. how, how like I, I can take just the little bit that I learned today, how I can apply that to, to myself and to my relationship and to, to intimacy in general. And, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to checking out more of the content that you have and to learn more. I would also like to, for people who are listening, um, I'd also like to do a book giveaway for, for your book. So, um, we'll, Ooh. we'll do, we'll do some like fun, fun thing on Instagram. So like, we'll have a winner. I'll send it either through Kindle or, uh, you have a hard copy too. I, I was yeah, at paperback okay. too. paperback. Okay. So, or if somebody prefer paperback, we can send it to them too. So be on the lookout for that when, um, when you're listening to this episode guys, and we'll do a, so a fun exciting. giveaway. Yeah. Yeah. And for anyone curious, it's, um, it's called, I realized I didn't say the name. It's called a better normal, your guide to rediscovering intimacy after cancer. And it's available on Amazon. Perfect. You beat me to it. I was be like, how can we <laughs> find you? What's the name of your book? So we got <laughs> and all, all of my resources, the like free articles, free information videos, the Facebook support group, the online course for um, reconnection with your partner, all of the stuff, the book, it's on my website, connectabletherapies.com. So everything is there. 
All right. Everybody make sure to check it out. This is, this is a super, super awesome test. I, I appreciate your time and all the information. And I, I just love, love getting to chat with you and to laugh with you. So just hearing like how passionate you are about it and all the things that you just wanted to get out. And this was to me, the perfect interview, just to be able to just like bounce back and forth with each other. And I just had a blast Aww. with you today. Thank you so much. It's yeah. been really wonderful. Thank oh you. Oh my gosh. It's my pleasure. Well, enjoy the rest of your day and uh, take care of yourself and, and please keep us up to date on your journey and how you're doing. And once again, everybody, please make sure to check out all the links that I included within the episode notes um, to, to learn more. And I, I don't know of anybody who doesn't need to learn more. So go mm. check it out. I think it's a super important topic, whether you are a cancer survivor, a cancer patient, a family member of a cancer patient, a caretaker, whoever you are, a, just a random person listening to this podcast. I think everybody could use a little bit of help. So <laughs> yeah, but make sure to check her out. And uh, once again, thank you so much for being on today with us. Thank you.